0: On today's Compassion Radio, talk to me about being a pastor looking forward to the time when God finally brings your country peace. What's on your heart about ministry?
1: It's gonna be as hard as it is now, Mm. because we're gonna face a lot of grief. You can't find a single person in Ukraine that lose anyone.
0: That has not lost somebody.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna have a lot of soldiers that are coming back from war with a lot of problems. We're going to have a lot of widows. We're going to have a lot of orphans. I'm concerned that the church should be ready to serve those people.
0: Tracking the triumphs of God even in the face of tragedies, this is the Daily Radio Journal of the Kingdom on the Move. This is Compassion Radio. I'm Bram Floria, and thank you for spending the next half hour with us to hear how it's really going on the front lines of faith. Heroes are made, not born, they say. Well, some heroes, I'm convinced, are made because God placed them exactly where they are, exactly for such a time as this. Case in point our guest for two days this week. His name is Oleg Bagdich, a man who has been present and deeply involved with some of the most profound historical events of the 21st century. Now that may sound like hyperbole, but it's absolutely true of the events in Ukraine. And as we've seen, those events have spilled over to the entire world, ready or not. Yesterday, Oleg and I began a get-up-to-speed conversation about the rapidly developing events in Russia's war of aggression against their supposedly closest neighbor. The thing that has impressed me the most over the past few years is how the body of Christ in Ukraine has been the moral backbone and the compassionate hearts of a people reeling from endless assaults on their dignity, freedom, and even their lives. Oleg is right in the middle of it all, but this discussion is about much more than battlefield events. It's about how one family is facing the impossible and finding how their God can and does do the impossible for them, when it seems like it just can't go on any longer. We'll jump back in with a recap of the biggest X-factor in the mix, Namely, how Oleg and his wife, Oksana, built a marriage that has been tested, quite literally, by fire. Could you tell me how you and Oksana are talking these days, the kind of things you're praying for? Because years ago, we all sat down together and we talked about the kind of stresses that led up to God saving your marriage by a thread and that the faith brought you back together, and now you were rock solid with each other. But it was still a tough road. Now you're being stressed in all kinds of new ways, but you have that history you talk about. You've survived something that seemed impossible then, and you're facing the impossible now. So describe for me how you and Oksana are dealing with this.
1: Uh, It was hard in the beginning because we were not together. When the full-time invasion happened in the February of last year, I almost commanded Oksana to leave Kyiv. I didn't want her to stay here because I knew that they will try to take over Kyiv. We went to the Western Ukraine and she stayed there for a few months. We didn't see each other for many weeks. We talked on the phone because I wasn't able to use my phone. Mm -hmm. So it was hard because we were apart. But then she came back to Kiev a few months ago and I came home after six months of being at work for the first time and we met Mm -hmm. and we sat down and we talked. We decided that she would stay home and she would wait for me to come back every time I have an opportunity to Mm -hmm. come back home for, for a few days or for a week or so. It's still hard for her. I imagine. She's still struggling. Every time Russia launches the rockets, there's pain in her bones. Hmm. She's learning to cope with that fear and that pain. But at some point, we talked and we decided that if Russians would try to take over Kiev again, she would leave. She wouldn't stay here. I wouldn't let her if they occupy this part of the country. She's busy. I mean, she travels a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. works with families that lost somebody, Hmm. someone in this war. She's doing camping conferences and trainings and seminars and stuff like that. So it it keeps her busy. I'll bet it does.
0: It didn't even occur to me, Oleg, that the work that you've been doing previously and her work as a national coordinator for Christian camping all across the nation would still be functioning. So that's a thrill for me. But what does it mean for her now? What does Christian camping look like in the middle of a war?
1: Yeah, in the middle of war, most camps were providing uh, shelters for refugees, mm-hmm. and they would take care of the of the families. Tomorrow morning, she's going to Lviv, which is western Ukraine. Yep. They were expecting less than a hundred participants, and a few hours ago, she told me that they have. Over 300 participants. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Which means people are stepping up into more than just their old job responsibilities of making a comfortable and a safe place for kids. And now you're talking about actually being on the front lines of refugee and internally displaced persons ministry.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Interesting. Well, it's good to know that. We'll be praying for that as well, too. Are you able to talk about your sons at all? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Oleg, you also have a couple of sons in this family that we don't talk about much on the air, but I think a very appropriate time for you as a dad to talk about how you pray over your sons in this kind of conflict and what they're doing so we can pray for them too.
1: Well, my older son, Elijah, he's married and he has his own life, his own family. He is working, trying to provide for the family. His wife is involved in helping refugees and doing a lot of work, and he is financing that
0: yeah, that is in ministry right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's what he does. Uh our younger son, Jan, he's with us at the moment. Yeah. He's working as well, and at some point, he was the only provider for the family. Hmm. When I was at the front and when Oksana was in western Ukraine, he was the one to provide for the family so that his dad could buy stuff to survive.
0: Okay, so what kind of things would a—I assume he's still a teenager. He turns 20 soon. He's turning 20 soon. So what does an older teenager do to provide for your family while you're out doing work at the front?
1: He is a computer genius. Computer genius. I hear that pays pretty well. Uh, yes, but uh, he lost his job a few months um, ago and he was trying to find a job and couldn't. And then like three weeks ago, he was able to find a job. So he is trying to work hard in order to get promotions.
0: The business would stay viable for a long time. I, I've been praying about that too. How do we encourage people to continue to do business with firms that are based in Ukraine so that there can be a positive income stream for all those families that are hurting? What I appreciate the most about you being willing to talk to me, Oleg, is not just because you're a friend and because I'm concerned about you, but because as difficult as it is, you and Oksana, you're communicators. You're actually trained on how to express things that are hard to express and to make clear the things that are hidden in God's heart and in yours And you're in a nation right now where it's not really been known for being an open and expressive culture to others. If you don't know the person, you're not going to speak everything that's in your heart. But you can be very effusive with your emotions to each other if you know them, which makes the worship in Ukraine unique for me. In a country that seems kind of cold culturally, it can be incredibly warm and expressive within the family. I was really moved by that. And you speak, Oleg, the things that I imagine that millions and millions of Ukrainians are finding themselves incapable of expressing, which also concerns me that without that ability to communicate the grief and the sense of loss and the fears, that you'll have a generation that's frozen with PTSD and other kinds of emotional and spiritual sicknesses. I know you're probably thinking about that too, about what comes after when we have this country to heal. Is it even possible Talk to me about being a pastor looking forward to the time when God finally brings your country peace. What's on your heart about ministry coming in those years forward?
1: It's going to be as hard as it is now, Mm. because we're going to face a lot of grief. And at this moment, you can't find a single person in Ukraine that lose anyone.
0: That has not lost somebody.
1: Yeah. So we're going to have a lot of soldiers that are coming back from war with a lot of problems. We're going to have a lot of widows. We're going to have a lot of orphans to deal with. And I'm concerned that the church should be ready to serve those people. Not to teach them, Mm. not to evangelize them. Just sit down and listen to them, you know. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my other concern is, as a nation, I don't think we have enough professionals to work with, let's say, PTSD.
2: Mm.
1: And the church wants to take over that role but in some cases it's not helping Mm. at all talking to different church leaders and pastors i'm asking them to think about sending their people to the medical schools Mm. to learn how to deal with ptsd because ptsd is not just a spiritual thing Mm. it's mental i mean yeah it's about health It's not about just spiritual. So, yeah, that's what I'm concerned at the moment.
0: We were just discussing in our fellowship group with our church last night about being in the Lenten season, about the experience of Jesus in the desert, and that he was literally sent by his Father not just to go there and find answers or a, a cause or a reason to go with ministry. He was sent there to be broken. And that by the time he faced his temptations, it could have been 40 days of no food before he faced the temptation to turn a rock into bread. Or wondering if he had any meaning or purpose in life, being stripped of everything and then being tempted by the devil with a shortcut, a way out of things for himself, to serve himself. And your whole nation, in some ways, seems to be getting sent to the wilderness. That God has, for whatever reason, he's allowing your people to be broken. I don't like it. And he's allowing another nation, an aggressor nation, to lose its soul in the pursuit of defeating and destroying you. None of it makes any sense. I don't wish the death of the soul of the Russian nation either. But my concern right now is for the remnant. What is God going to do with what he has left over to work with? And that he's allowed it to happen, I don't think is fair. And I think it's okay to say that. I think David speaks to that in a lot of his psalms. Mm -hmm. There are just some things that just don't make sense. Even God might not make sense, like you've expressed yourself coming up against the hard doubts. You are in the trenches right now in every way imaginable. I wish that God would end it soon for your sake, Oleg. If for nobody else in the entire world, for you and your wife, I wish you would end this war. And I'll continue to pray that every day. And while you face what you do, we will pray every day that God will continue to lift you up and that when you come home to your wife, that it will be a joy for those moments And I'm sorry that the siren stripped away some of your rest last night. I can see the tiredness in your eyes today. I'll pray for more rest today for you too. But you get the final word on this. So I want you all to speak from your heart. If you had no restrictions on it, what would you tell us? What do we need to hear from you and from the heart of God? Because you know you have the authority to speak for him in the situation. You are his representative in the middle of all this.
1: Well, I guess, first of all, I want to thank you and thank everyone who's caring enough to pray, Mm. to spend time in prayer for my nation. Thank you everyone who is donating, who is helping in any other ways, who is buying stuff and sending it to Ukraine. Thank you for raising the voice for Ukraine before your government, Mm. for speaking up for us. And in a like this, as I said before, it's hard to see God's hand. It's hard to understand what he's doing and why hmm. he's what he's doing. But again, I guess that's what faith is about. You just have to accept the fact that he knows better.
0: Hmm. We'll be back with more from Oleg Magdich, direct from Ukraine after this. If you've learned anything by now about what Compassion Radio is, hopefully you see a ministry that faithfully allows the Kingdom around the world to tell their story, unvarnished, to us in the relative comforts that we enjoy. It's important that we hear the reality of the world and how the battles of this world are always spiritual in nature as well. Together we'll learn how we can pray and help them in their work of living out the Great Commandment and Great Commission. I hope you'll help us to keep bringing these stories to you each day. We've always been a 100% listener-supported ministry, and we count on your generosity and open hearts to respond anytime that you are able. We need you, friends, and our family around the world needs us to know together what they're going through, so they're prayed for and supported. Thanks for loving the kingdom and this ministry with your tangible support. If you find any value in what we do, We need to hear from you today. The easiest way is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also reach out through our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. That's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877.
1: guess that's what faith is about. You just have to accept the fact that he knows better. Hmm. Yeah, he he knows better. All we can do is to, even if we don't feel like he is next to us, even if we don't understand what he is doing, we just have to trust him as babies. Hmm. Most of the times, that's all we can do.
0: I would pray that even though we feel like we're strong enough to act like spiritually mature adults, What you just captured there, Oleg, is wisdom, that when you have nothing left to give or no control of your circumstances, that there is still a choice to be made. And in your case, you're choosing to be as dependent and as trusting as an infant with a parent who loves it. And I want to have that kind of uh, trust myself. But to be perfectly honest, I don't have to go through what you're going through to get there. Last thing I'll ask you, Oleg, is what do we need to de Understand, Like, we think we have this thing figured out, what's going on in Ukraine, but we can be very mistaken in that. You've met a lot of people and talked to a lot of people in the West because you do a lot of media appearances. What is the greatest misconception, even at this point in the game, that you see the West not understanding clearly about your situation?
1: Well... In the last couple of days, I started noticing that the West started this narrative about Ukraine winning this war. Mm. As if we actually win. The truth is, we are not winning this war at this moment. Mm. We are holding on. We do our best not to lose more people and not to lose more land. Mm. But we're not winning this war. Hopefully, with the help of the West, with the help of our allies... Hopefully, we will be able to push back Russians and get back the land. Unfortunately, we can't bring to life the lost. Yeah, I just want people in the West to know that the war is still going on. Yes, We're still losing a lot of people every single day. I mean, doing medical evacuation, I know what we're talking about. It's less than Russians lose every day, but still... It's more than we can afford. We are losing the best sons and daughters of Ukraine.
2: Mm.
1: I don't want people to relax, Mm. knowing that now when the weapons were sent to Ukraine, now we can relax and and sit back and watch. No, we're dealing with the monster. We're dealing with a huge, huge country. And what they're doing, they're just sending their people with bare hands because they have a lot of people. So... Yeah. Just want you to know that the war is still going on. We had few successes on the way, but the war is not over. Yeah.
0: The word grind is appropriate at this point. I do want to encourage our listeners, anybody who ends up hearing this program referred through a friend, heard the podcast or something, that you're hearing from somebody that knows because he's there. He's there every day taking care of the wounded, and hopefully protecting those on the front lines by not endangering them by the way you go about saving lives, to try to not bring attention to the troops that you're evacuating and pinpointing their location for the enemy. That's a very delicate job you have, Oleg, and I know that your operations and your methodology is very highly tuned now because you've been in a lot of close situations over those months. And you are trusting that there literally is a spiritual protection over you. And because you have so many believers around you that are doing this volunteer service, even in a country where everyone's called up to some kind of service and duty, you are not commanded to go out there and do what you're doing. You are laying down your life for your friends. That is to be commended. It is to be acknowledged. And I do believe this should be supported. So I'm going to encourage anybody, as you mentioned earlier, whatever opportunity you have to serve, at least out of your pocketbook, if nothing else, do that. But on the spiritual level, because we're praying spiritual cover over people like you, don't stop praying. And if you've never believed that prayer can do anything, put God to the test in this and say, God, I don't know if this works, but I'm going to do it. So show me what you can do. Dare God to honor his promises. Mm-hmm. And I'm praying that you and I will sit down for many more conversations, but not like this one. I'm praying that the conversation we'll have next will be about turning points, positive changes, uh, lives saved and less danger, about the healing beginning, about exposing where the PTSD needs to come out and the soul of your nation needs to be healed on a grand level. I'm praying for those kind of conversations, not just more of the grinding warfare. And my wife says, Oleg, that we're going to have that conversation over really good Chinese food in Kiev. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The day will come again. I'm looking forward to that kind of fellowship. And the last thing I'll mention to our listeners is that I think every day about the honor you gave us by sitting down with our board of directors a few years ago, and in ways that we all know we didn't deserve in the least, but you awarded us a Medal of Honor for your people. That is a cherished gift to us. But I look at that and say, there is no way... No matter how much I do in this life, I could ever earn that medal. And you earn a medal like that every day. I wish I could throw hoagie ropes on your shoulders and the medals around your necks every day to remind you that you are admired. Not just that. I'm praying that God's medals around you will be literally armor. They'll repel the attacks of the enemy. And I'm praying a helmet of salvation over your head so that between your ears every day that there is a solid confidence that comes from the heart of God that you are his. That's what I'm praying for. Thank you. We've had an incredible hour here with our good friend, Oleg Magdich, currently in Kyiv and getting ready to head back to the front lines and serve his country again in medical evacuation with a volunteer team. Again, I encourage our listeners to be praying for them and their work and that God will keep bringing them home safe for their families every time. Oleg, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you for giving me this opportunity and thank you for what you do. Thank you for caring enough to pray and to remember us.
0: And remember them we will. We invite you, friend, to join us in praying daily for Oleg and Oksana Magdich and all the faithful in Ukraine who are tirelessly serving every last person God brings them, giving comfort to the grieving, hope to the lost, and literal food and water to those completely without. If you missed the first part of this powerful interview, you'll find it in the podcast archive on our website, CompassionRadio.com.
2: is my shepherd and he goes before us. He goes before me. He's defender behind, come on. Defender behind me. I won't, you won't, we won't fear. I won't. To I won't feed. Feed. Now, people of God. Come on. Your spirit lives within me, so I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within Within my victory.
0: Drop us a line through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also reach out through our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. That's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We'll see you tomorrow.